Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard, and we're back finally. I know we were gone for, uh, well, I guess a month and a half, uh, seven, eight weeks, something like that, but uh, the month of August was pretty boring. Uh, the month of September brought us a whole lot of duck news. We have plenty of stuff to cover, Eddie. Uh, good to be back. Oh, yeah. It feels fantastic. I was getting bored. I was getting dry, seeing all these weird things getting posted, people just throwing their pitchforks up because the fabrications on Twitter and social media. But, you know, having no hockey, I'm glad it's back. And I'm definitely glad the summer is over because I can't stand the heat. I like it when it's cold and gloomy. It just something excites me. I don't know if it's hockey season two. That plays a factor. Yeah, and as you talked about, a lot of stuff uh, came up. Uh, we'll kind of talk about some of the rumors going on with some of the trades. Uh, we have some retirement news, some injury news. Uh, some quote-unquote new third jersey uh, info. We'll talk about some of the games briefly, some of the maybe what the possible lineup will be on opening night, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. So we have a jam-packed show for you, and uh, we'll get it started. Uh, I guess the best way to get it started uh, is the, st- the beginning of the month came out with the all kinds of different trade rumors. We had the Line A trade rumor and the Justin Falk trade rumor. And I, I think the best one was the Line A one, Eddie, because uh, I guess there was a, a fake Mike Walters, if you will, out there on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if it was fake in the sense of that was his name or not. I mean, I know there's you know more Mike Walters than just myself, but there was a guy named Mike Walters on Twitter that uh, made a couple posts and was saying that Patrick Line A was coming to the Ducks and there should be an announcement. And of course, everybody went nuts. Uh, my phone went off, uh, social media texts, phone calls. Everyone's asking me basically two questions. One, is that you? Which I said, no. And two, uh, what are the Ducks going to get for line A? And I said, I haven't heard anything about a trade going down for line A. So kind of a crazy start to the month of September. That other Mike Walters, I guess, deleted his uh, Twitter account. So he doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, maybe there's still a possibility that line A does get uh, traded. I, I really doubt it's Anaheim, but uh, kind of a weird start to the month of September with some of the rumors, Eddie. Oh, yeah. People just flipped out. And I don't know if it was the lack of hockey. People were bored, but this one random account just pops up saying that he's has experience in 10 NHL teams and he's an insider and his quote unquote source told him he didn't re, you know reveal it and people just went crazy i, I know some fan chats uh, on facebook one guy was so adamant oh this guy has experience in 10 different nhls like he you know he, he knows his stuff he's an insider and he, he works with people it's like you know anyone can fabricate their their little header thing i i can say um you know I don't know, I'm governor of California or something, or I'm president of the Ducks. and It's just ridiculous how people fall into things like that, and they blow it out of proportion. I mean, this guy, whoever he is, he did his job. He wanted to troll, and he wanted to get a rise out of people. He sure as hell did his job, but it's like people, we have so, their phones. Like I bet you everyone listening right now has access to their phones within a few feet of them or maybe inches, who knows. It's so easy to look up and kind of verify things like this. And there's 
no credible source that came that said that he was like line A in the ducks. It just, it's just crazy how everyone flipped out over that. I thought it was pretty funny, and and his name being Mike K. Walters too. Like, oh man, you have an evil twin or a doppelganger out there, Mike. Yeah, I, I don't know. My middle initial is P as in Paul, so <laughs> that part I know is different. But the first and last name was the same. So when the whole line A news came out, of course, like you said, people went nuts. Uh, people were screenshotting uh, the tweets that he was posting. I was getting them text to me. They were sent to me in social media, you know, messengers and all that stuff. So that news pretty much died down. Uh, he deleted his account and nothing was ever heard after that. Then the next big one that came out, and this was from credible sources like Elliot Freeman and others, was the Justin Falk news that Carolina was looking to move him. Then when that news came out later in the day, from a couple people in the Carolina media world, they were then saying that, uh, like we said, it was a trade. They're looking at Anaheim, and then they added, well, Andre Casse was part of the trade. So then when that happened, again, like you're talking about, Eddie, everybody in Anaheim uh, Nation went nuts on social media. A lot of people upset about, you know, this discussion of Casse being sent for Falk. And, of course, you know, we just realized as we recorded uh, this podcast now that he ended up going to St. Louis instead and, and that Kase was not part of the trade, or at least it was never finalized. He was part of the discussions. But everyone was going nuts, even though we didn't know the whole details of the trade. All we knew was there was Falk on one side, Kase on another side, and possibly some other pieces to this, which it was never verified by any of the official sources um, you know, what the other parts of this were going to be. And then we got from uh, Eric Stevens and his article in The Athletic that, you know, Bob Murray was upset because the media people in Carolina were talking about it. And he felt that people within the Hurricane organization had kind of leaked out um, the discussions, which, you know, Bob Murray's old school. He doesn't like that kind of stuff. He likes to try to, you know, do whatever he's going to trade. And then um, if it's going to happen, he likes to tell the player, um, you know, directly from himself or his staff or whatnot. So that went nuts for a little while. I, you know, I, I was kind of hoping that some kind of trade like that would happen though. I know a lot of people didn't want Kase to be sent, but you know, we talked about some of the podcasts over the summer about the ducks, uh, la uh, lack of depth on defense, specifically on, on right-handed uh, shooting defensemen. So I, at first I was kind of, I wanted to see what was going to happen if it was going to go down and then it ended up not going down, Eddie. Uh, what did you think about this? Because we had, you know, a couple of weeks of all this craziness. We had all the line A stuff that died down. Then we had the stuff with Falk and Casse. What was your take on this second, you know, possible trade rumor that obviously it didn't work out? It piqued my interest a little bit. It, it's telling me that, you know, this this might not be a retooling thing. Uh, another word for a rebuild. If he's trying to bring in a quality player like Justin Falk. I, it was, I was interested. And, it, yeah, Kase being sent away, I was kind of like, oh, that kind of sucks. Just, I like him, but, I mean, we're getting a quality right shot defenseman that that, that put up good numbers. And I think if a few of the categories, he was up there with the Carlson and Burns kind of, you know, stats over the last few seasons. So I, I was interested in that. And I, I wouldn't have mind seeing that trade go down. It, it shows that the Ducks are serious this season. And, and who knows what Kase being injury prone and, and what he can do and what or what you can't do with the Ducks. I still remember everyone being flipped out about Carlson being traded and then the year he had in Vegas. But, I mean, who knows if he would have had that year in Anaheim. I mean, he wasn't going to get that opportunity that he did in, in Vegas to score that, you know, that having that career season. 
And same with Kase. Like, you know, if this trade would have happened and he would have went off and scored 30, 40 goals, like, yeah, everyone's going to be mad. But how would you know if he's going to have that same production with the duck system? I mean, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you never know what's going to happen. The only thing I was worried about, too, is the, the kind of contract term and dollar amount and any clauses that were going to be given to him. Anaheim wasn't part of his, you know, his list to come, his 10-team list to come to. And, you know, not knowing, you know, pretty much going from Carolina, which is a contending team, to Anaheim, which is kind of that question mark right now. I'm pretty sure he was going to want more money than the extension he signed with St. Louis for $6.5 million. And then I wanted to touch on, too, Mike, uh, as far as, like, the Carolina media or whatever, them leaking things out, being the bunch of jerks that they are. <laughs> I think it was more a strategic move. It's like, okay, let's leak what they're doing with the Ducks. And now this gets other teams like, oh, wait, we were interested in him. We were pulling back. Are we didn't offer enough? Let's go and up our offers and send more offers and get some more, you know, play on him if they really wanted him. So I, I think that kind of helped bring his value up a little bit more, knowing that a trade was, you know, our trade talks were conducted between Anaheim and Carolina. So you're saying a, a GM might have leaked something to get a better trade? No, they never do that, Eddie. Never. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, who would do such a thing? Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's a very uh, valid point. Uh, you, you could say that maybe the GM in Carolina did want to put that out there. He was talking to maybe a couple other teams. Uh, obviously, we know one of them was St. Louis, but maybe he didn't like what he was seeing from the other teams. And was like, well, hey, you know, Anaheim's over here doing this, this, and that, and maybe raised up the ante a little bit. Um, I mean, if he did, it's very smart on his part. I think um, for the Ducks on their side, the issue was probably the term. There was discussions of the amount being between six and a half million to seven. Uh, he ended up taking this deal for six and a half with St. Louis, which I would have been fine with because the Ducks do have the cap space, as we all know. Uh, to take on somebody like that, especially if Kase or someone of a similar value was going back as well. But I think the term was kind of the issue in this deal, Eddie. Obviously, with the stuff going on with Eves and Kessler and these injuries and whatnot, and the long-term contract with Perry and all these things that now Murray's looking back on, like maybe I gave too much of a longer contract to certain players. I mean, you can't predict injuries, right? Um, as far as Perry not doing as well, well, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But he also was injured to add to that in addition um, to the issues going on there. So maybe the seven years was too much. Uh, maybe Falk was like, I'll go to Anaheim, but, you know, I want six or seven years out of this deal. And, and Murray's probably sitting there going, nah, you know, I, I, I'll do three, four, maybe five. That's what I'm thinking might have been part of the reason why Murray pulled back. Other than the fact that the news got leaked, obviously he was upset about that, which that's that's typical Murray. He doesn't He doesn't like things to get out. Uh, while they're still being worked in progress. So I could see that. But for my take, I, I think Murray looked at that term and probably said, nah, we'll take a pass on it, Eddie. Yeah, same here. And and we, and we all know he's more cautious and he doesn't like to – to it's rare when he makes those things and it usually happens, you know, a few months into the season where he'll do just like a one-for-one one or like a Pedersen for, for Sprague or Henrik for Vatanen kind of trade. It, it, it would have been shocking, surprising if he would have made that trade. But, I, I, yeah, I, I think he pulled back, he just, you know, for the dollar amount. Uh, or you know, Not really dollar amount because $6.5 million is, is good. I, I'm thinking he would probably want it more coming for, to Anaheim, being in kind of a rebuilding, retooling stage. 
But I think the term probably got to him like seven years. That, that's a long time to pay a guy $6.5 million. If he starts declining, then you have another contract. It's like, oh, another bad contract. Uh, you have to buy him out, which is another bad thing to do. Or just keep him and have him in a, a bottom six role or scratch him here and there. And you're paying a guy $6.5 million to sit in the, you know, the broadcasting booth and watch the game. So I think his, all in all, it was a smart decision on his play, especially if he wanted that longer term. And, and just have confidence in what we have right now. I, I'm still worried about our defense, you know, on, on the, especially on the right side. And our top four pretty much defensemen, uh, we'll discuss our lineups later, but that's the only thing that still kind of worries me with the Ducks. Yeah, we did mention that on the show before. We can kind of talk about that now, the, the defense and the lineup. We actually have a fan question, too, about this. But if you're looking at the Ducks in terms of defense, as we talked about, the top three, you have Lindholm, Manson, and Fowler. We all know how Manson struggled last season, so how is he going to do this season? Um, also, a quick update on Fowler. Fowler uh, deflected another puck and took it in the face and got some stitches in that uh, preseason loss to uh, Arizona this last weekend. But they're saying that he's going to be okay, should be good to go at the beginning of the season. But even with that in mind, you've got those three guys, and then you're trying to figure out who you're going to put in after that. So you've got uh, Gooley, Larson, Delzato, Holzer pretty much are your other ones in there. Um, and, you know, the one of the questions was someone asked if the Ducks would go after Ristolainen from Buffalo. Uh, you know, his contract is uh, just around f- uh, $5.5 million, and he's got a couple years to go over there. Another right-handed shot defenseman. Uh, you know, the, the one thing about this whole Falk news is, like you talked about, Eddie, is at least Murray is trying to you know, rectify some of the stuff he has going on with this team. And obviously, as you and I talked about, it's the lack of depth on defense, specifically the right-hand uh, shooting defenseman. So if he's going after Falk and it didn't work out, you know, I wouldn't be upset with him going after Ristolainen. I, that's another guy that uh, you know I do like what he's doing. He's done pretty good point-wise. You know, he's getting you know forty-something points a season. Um, he's been getting thirty-plus assists in the last four years. Um, definitely a guy that can help out and, and do some things back there and obviously give some depth on the right side. So if the Ducks were to go after him, I would be okay with it. Uh, of course, it would you know depend on who's going to get traded or whatever. And it, you know, I know if I mention Kase, everyone's going to get upset. So I don't know if he'd be thrown out there. But if the Ducks had to give up a forward, I would rather them give up someone like uh, a Richie and maybe a pick or something like that. Obviously, Richie wouldn't be straight up. But you know, if you want to talk about players that you're trying to move out and do some stuff, that might be something to try to work out. I, I don't know if it will happen, but I would be happy if they tried to do something like that or a player similar, Eddie. Oh, yeah. That was a good question by Benjamin on Twitter. I like Ristolainen. He's still young. He has a, a great you know, 5.4 million average cap, uh, cap hit. It's not bad at all. He's had 40 points in the last four consecutive seasons. Puck moving defenseman that, that can quarterback a power play and blast it from the blue line. And Buffalo needs some secondary scoring, and, you know, they need that. I don't think it's going to take Richie. It's probably going to take Richie and more, but I think they're going to want someone maybe for, like, one-on-one, someone like a, like a Silverberg to make. Like, I could see a Silverberg for Ristolainen and maybe like a lower-tier prospect or a lower draft pick, like third or fourth-round draft pick you know, to make that happen. But I, I doubt they're going to even consider trading Silverberg. They just signed him to an extension, and he's, you know, 
tore it up last season. So hopefully that can he can do that again this season. Uh, he'd be a good one to get if we can you know land him down and not give up too much. Um, that'd be great if you know I'd be willing to throw Kase's name out there. And I mean I know he's injury prone, but like Kase maybe maybe Richie and have Ristolainen and come back and maybe a third or fourth draft pick from Buffalo too. I mean, that's something that can work out. We have a surplus of forwards uh, that can replace, you know, Kase and Richie's spot. And we don't really know what we have yet in Kase, the injuries that he had. I mean, he has the potential to to be a 30-goal scorer, but you never know. And if a trade did happen, and I was talking to you about this before, like if a trade happened with Carolina, you have no idea – Oh, yeah, I said that before. You have no idea what's going to happen with these players and what system is going to work better for them. Uh, Ristolainen might thrive and turn out to be a top defenseman. And you can have Kase end up tearing it up and being a top offensive player. Uh, you just you never know with these things. The trades and different systems, the new scenery, the players can just do something different. But he's one of the players that I would like to see, a little more than Falk. But I doubt it's going to happen. I think we have to like put our hopes down for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not too big on it. But, I mean, it's definitely one that, I mean, I would look into it and see if something could be worked out. So, you know, we'll see if Murray does try to do something else before the season starts or maybe in the beginning of the season with the defense. Um, you know, the Ducks have played some games so far. I don't put a lot of weight into all these games, but... They're in the midst of a whole bunch of games this week, depending on when you're listening to the show. But, um, you know, they had the rookie camp, which they won two out of three of those games. Uh, they beat the Kings and Vegas. They lost to the Sharks in those three games. Um, uh, Steele and Jones look pretty good there. So far in the preseason, you know, they beat uh, San Jose. Then they lost in a shootout to Arizona. And then this last game that uh, we watched before recording the show was the one against L.A., which I, I was really irritated with. I did not like the way the Ducks played in that game. I mean, granted, they're not going with the full lineup, but they just had a slow start in that game against L.A. And uh, they tried to recover later in, in that game, but weren't able to do it. So, uh, But it's the preseason, and, and the rookie games, I don't really count either. Same thing. You, you have all these new players out there. You don't have the full lineup and everything like that. Uh, if looking at the forwards, it's kind of an interesting uh, thing here that the Ducks have done. They've had Richie actually in the top you know, two lines a couple of these games, which I'm not a fan of, Eddie. But some of the lineups they've had, we can talk a little bit about it. Is they've had Richie up there with Getzloff and Kasse, Raquel with Steele and Silverberg, Comtois with Henrique and Terry. And then Jones was short and sprung. It's just some of the lines that they've had. I don't have a problem with all these guys being the forwards, Eddie. But the the thing I don't like, if the lines are going to be like this or something similar to that, I, I don't like how high up there Richie is. I, I just really think he should be bumped down a little bit. I'd rather see Raquel up there with Getzloff and Comtois and Jones, I, I think, are going to be more explosive uh, than Richie. So that, that's just kind of my take on the forward situation the way it is right now. Obviously, it's nothing set in stone. They've been playing these games and shuffling the lines around. But in terms of offense, what do you think, Eddie, uh, given the you know the couple games that have been played already? Uh, I think Jones is making a statement. I, I don't think he wants to be sent down, and he's making it really difficult for anyone to even consider him being sent down. And I, I, I'd rather see him take that top line and Richie you know, go down to that fourth line role and maybe earn his spot back up. Uh, I can remember a few seasons ago when they demoted Perry to the third line, and all of a sudden he just lit a fire under his ass and he started scoring. 
that Scory Perry came back and that passion came back. I don't know if starting off Richie in that fourth line either is going to fire him up and get him going again and hopefully get to the potential that we all hope that that tenth round draft pick is going to be. Or he just might kind of just be like, oh, whatever, you know, I'm in the fourth line, I'm just going to go through the motions, and that just shows the character that he has. That He's a professional athlete, so I doubt he's going to have that. It's probably going to fire him up, but I, I like what I've seen with Jones, and I mean, come to all you guys, everyone knows my feelings toward him. I can put, if I can just, you know, um, clone him and put him on like two or three lines, I'd probably do that too. But, yeah, you're right, though, with Richie. I, I want to see him maybe a little lower. And I don't understand why they keep trying to put him on that top line. It, it hasn't worked for the last few seasons they've done it, and I don't know why they keep trying to make it work. I thought it was a, just a Carlisle thing. And I, I hope, you know, it changes, and I hope, you know, Dallas really sticks to the point where, you know, the best players will earn the spot and the best players will earn their uh, their line spot, basically, to be that top four, top six uh offensive machines so i mean that's all i can say about that i have you know on my lineup just i uh, changed a few things i remember cal gets casse that top line comtois henrique silverberg second line jill uh, jones Steele, and sprung that third line richie Rowney, and shore yeah and that's a lineup i like a lot better I, I i think that would be one that would you know be suited more uh for this team one that would look uh, you know, a little bit more balanced. That that's kind of what I'm looking at with this, uh, as the Ducks try and go in there and face uh, the beginning of the season with what they have now. Unless, of course, they trade someone and move some stuff around, which they could do as well. A part of the issue too that they have is I hate to bring up the injury news again, but as we mentioned with Fowler a little bit earlier, Sam Steele is now injured. Um, they said he has a lower body injury. Uh, it's not really sure how long he's going to be out. So I'm hoping this isn't a repeat of really the last two seasons. So like we said, you have Fowler and Steele already. Uh, like they mentioned, Fowler's a, a minor issue, so he should be good to go at the beginning of the season. Hopefully Steele's not out too long. But I, I'm not you know upset with what the Ducks top four uh, lines. And uh, I think the offense will be fine for the Ducks this season. I'm more concerned about the defense and, and leaning on Gibson again. Obviously, we know it's Gibson and Miller and Nett. There's really no discussion to be had there in terms of the lineup. But I would like the Ducks to try to add someone on defense. Uh, the one that's kind of not really worked out in some of these games is uh, Hakapa. He's not been playing as well as I thought he would in some of these games. He's been getting burned and out of position. So... I think he's finding his way out of the Ducks uh, lineup. I mean, I would see Gooley, Larson, Delzato, and Holzer really filling in the other spots in there. That that was one a little bit surprising to me. I thought he would have played a little better, but it looks like he still needs some work and whatnot. So that's where the Ducks are at right now. they got a couple more games to go, and uh, we're going to try and have more shows too. Uh, just a little programming note in the middle of the uh, show here. I know last season we kind of – you know, did a show here or there, things went down. But uh, Eddie and I are going to try and do one every week, at least, if not more. We'll see how it goes. But at least have a regular schedule, go over the games in more, a little bit more depth. Obviously, obviously, like I said, it's preseason, so we're not going into it too much. I've been able to watch most of them. Uh, as you guys know, some of them weren't on TV, unfortunately, so you had to listen to them. But that's what we're going to be aiming to do. So we'll be talking about the games and the injuries and how they're doing along with the the news that comes up and whatnot. So uh, like I said, Ducks are in the middle of preseason right now. They have a couple injuries that they're trying to deal with. 
And there's a couple former Ducks too, Eddie, that have injuries. Uh, the one, you know, big one, Corey Perry, uh, has a broken foot as of uh, September 13th. Uh, apparently, he rolled it while uh, taking a like a awkward step, I guess. And they're hoping he's going to be ready for the start of the season, but he's kind of up in the air. And then you also have Brandon Montour that hit, hurt his hand. So a couple former Ducks, just to throw some news in there, so you don't feel bad about just the uh, our players, Eddie. But uh, we're going to have to watch it. If, if Steele's out for a little bit, then Ducks are going to have to, you know, up, up date the forward lines and figure it out from there oh yeah perry too if he starts the season off when he's supposed to uh game one when dallas plays if he plays with injury free uh, october 24th will be his thousandth game against the anaheim ducks uh seems like it was written it was a fairy tale like okay we're gonna trade you at this time and you're gonna play your thousandth game against your former team it just it, you can't make this up it's like a script and also, for you Perry fans that are still like loving him and you, you absolutely adore him, good news for you. You can live at the house that he lived at. He's selling his property for $6.725 million. So if you're one of those fans and you're able to secure his house that's up for sale, uh, kudos to you. And be sure to send us the barbecue invite. We'd love to go and check out Corey Perry's uh, old house. Yeah, and if you want to buy the uh, the house out there, you know you can go out there and maybe watch him play. I know one of the fans talked to me and said he just moved out to Dallas. Uh, he, he was joking, saying that he had that plan with Corey Perry as well. So um, there's that to look forward to as well. And and with the Ducks, you know, there's other news out there too. You know, the team did announce that Kessler and Eves are out for the season. And unfortunately, I actually had a chance to catch up with Patrick Eves on the golf course recently, and he told me that he is pretty much done that he's going to retire for the game. Uh, he said that his doctors uh, actually circled back to the original diagnosis and the, the Guillain-Barre syndrome that he uh, originally was supposed to have, the GBS as they call it. Uh, he ended up saying that he does actually have that and he won't be able to come back and play professionally. It was you know, very, very uh, disheartening. I mean, he's a really nice guy, a nice person to talk to, and the Ducks are going to be without him this season and, and, and nobody's going to be able to get him you know, uh, next season after that and beyond, unfortunately. So he's going to be gone. As we said, Kessler is gone. We don't know if he's going to officially retire. He may, may come back next season. Who knows? Um, the other one that I also caught up with too was uh, Kevin Bieksa. And he's, uh, asked him if he was going to come back. He, he was not a big fan of Randy Carlisle and, um, even predicted that ran, well, a lot of people predicted that Randy Carlisle was going to be out, but he had said before the season, uh, last year with him getting booted that he was going to be gone. So I asked him, Hey, are you going to come back? And he said, no, he's going to keep doing some of that broadcast stuff. You've seen him doing, uh, may appear on some shows and whatnot. So he retired as well. And I think, uh, there was one more Eddie out there, uh, another former duck that retired. Oh yeah. Ben Lovejoy, our favorite Reverend, uh, Reverend, Reverend, ah, I can't even say that. I'm just going to say Lovejoy. I screwed up that word three times. But he retired, and I think he took a job as an uh, analyst with NHL Network. He's talking. So uh, congratulations to him. He was another fan favorite, just like Patrick Eves. Uh, such a nice guy and always made time for fans. And he's just one of those players, too, that that came out there and worked hard. And it was, it was glad to have him on the Ducks, and we wish him all the best. And his retirement as well as Patrick Eves. And I hope Patrick Eves takes a, a role with the Ducks somewhere in the system, uh, developing youth players or some kind of position that keeps him with the Ducks. Cause he, he's such an amazing guy. He, he was an instant fan favorite 
um, the first few days he was traded. He's just always so polite and nice to fans. And you know, when, when he was healthy, he worked hard, and it, it, we saw some chemistry with Getzloff on that top line for a while. So I wish him all the best as well. Everyone that's retiring, it's fortunate too for Eves. He has to retire like that. I, I always say. I hate when a player has to be forced to retire. I like to see a player that just chooses on his own time. It, it, it's always unfortunate when you're forced to do something. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't ready to, you know, step down yet and hang up the skates. Uh, it's unfortunate for him, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll have a career later down the road doing something with hockey, or announcing, talking, and, or hopefully a role with the, the Ducks. Yeah, I did ask him about that, too. I forgot to mention that, you know, what his immediate plans were uh, since everything's done now as far as playing in the NHL. And he said that he didn't really have any immediate plans in terms of hockey stuff. You know, he's just going to take his time and spend it with his friends and family, which is what you would expect. And like you said, I'm in agreement. It's frustrating when you cannot go out on your own terms that you have to, you know, be forced out like this. And it was a struggle the last couple of years. You know, he only played a couple games two seasons ago. Last year he played seven and he just was never able to get out there and do his thing. You know, he had the shoulder issue too as well. So, unfortunate news for him. Wish him the best. In terms of the Ducks cap situation, uh, you know, we're looking at this, you know, bringing in Falk at, you know, 6.5. We talked about Ristolainen at 5.4 and, and whatnot. But with Eves uh, going on the long-term injury reserve, uh, Kessler as well, the Ducks uh, cap space and cap friendly, they have uh, right now – uh, about eight and a half million. So they have plenty of money to go do stuff and pick up players and whatnot. And, and they have those couple guys that they can tap into for um, injury reserve as well. So the Ducks do have money out there to go do something. I, you know, I don't know uh, if they're going to do it or not, but I mean, they have a big chunk there. They have the eight and a half million right now. And if you count those two guys' contracts, you're talking about, you know, possible another 10 million. So there's there's plenty of room for the Ducks to do something and go pick up somebody. Um, that's why I, I like kind of like the Falk trade. Uh, the term, maybe not so much, which, like I said, Murray didn't like. So that's where the Ducks' financial situation is. And I feel like that's what they need to do. You know, you look at that Falk trade and it makes sense because he ended up going to a contender, uh, St. Louis, where the Ducks, unfortunately, right now they aren't a contender um, in this, you know, the way it's shaping up right now. I mean, I, I think they are going to do better than the Kings, <laughs> if anything. I know they lost this this preseason game, whatever, but I still think the Ducks can make the playoffs. The biggest thing is really the, the decor and how they're going to perform with that offensively. Got a lot of young kids in there. Uh, that's why we put out that one tweet about da- Daddy Getzloff getting upset. I mean, you, you look at the forwards. You got you got Getzloff on there, who is you know basically the senior guy, and then all these you know younger players. I mean, it, it's crazy to see the turnover on this offense. But if the Ducks can sustain a regular forecheck on offense, I, I think they have a good chance at, at you know making the playoffs at least this season. But I could see why Falk didn't want to come to Anaheim. He's looking at a team that's, like you said, quote-unquote rebuilding or retooling. So then instead he goes to the Stanley Cup uh, contending team, Uh, obviously the former reigning champs uh, or or current champs until, you know, this next season's over. So it makes sense there. And with this team, I'm still excited about the season. I want to see what's going to happen. I think they have a good chance. If somebody on defense, if we don't go get somebody uh, of the defense – you know who I look to, Eddie, is I look to Larson to hopefully step up in that fourth spot or maybe Gooley. 
Um, they've both been playing pretty decent so far. If one of them can go up there and, and get in that fourth spot and you know solidify a role, then maybe the Ducks have a better chance. I, like I said, I still would like them to try and go pick someone up, but if they don't, that's where I kind of see a, a large part of this season, uh, you know, I guess putting some weight on it, so to speak, would be between those two players. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I, I, I also think that uh, the our top three of Linho, Manson, and Fowler, I think they need to step up a lot. Uh, they are incredible defensemen. They have the, the ability to, to be that great defenseman. And they just seem not to I, – I don't know what's – I don't want to say keep developing because they're all – quote-unquote veteran players i mean they're all older compared to all the younger guys that are coming in but i think it like heavily like relies on them to step up and and go that extra mile and be the mentor for the younger guys too you don't want some younger guy coming in and showing you up and it's kind of sucks seeing cam down on that second line because he was compared to scott niedermeyer when he was first drafted about his uh, his smooth skating his puck moving Dial and him dropping to that second spot. I I think he should be, you know, our top defenseman. Not saying that he should be like elite style, but he should be one of the top, maybe top fifteen defensemen in the league. And I, I don't know. Like I just think they they all need to figure out what's going on in the those top three players, and they need to step up because last season was just terrible. Uh, Manson and I, I keep harping on Manson not because I don't like him. I, I like Manson too. I like his style of play. But last season, I just saw a different Manson. He wasn't that Manson boom that everyone saw a season before that. So I want to see them, each of them, take that extra responsibility and step up in that role and eat those, like, extra minutes up and make each of those chances count. I mean, like I wrote my article, we'll discuss in a little bit, shoot the damn puck. You guys were terrible last season and... And I'll just quote it from my article about all those people that, that scream, shoot, 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 how annoying it is. They're right. And they, they were validated on screaming that last season because the pucks weren't going in. Our offense wasn't shooting and they were just trying to dump and chase. You know, you have your points open most of the time when the players or other teams are collapsing on your offense because they got used to that dump and chase style, send it back to your points and just have them blast it on net and have someone in front with their stick down. Just get some more shots, get the goalie moving. So I think it's the main responsibility is going to be on them. But uh, Gooley and Larson, they have a great opportunity right now. The Ducks don't have that top four. So that top four spot, that one spot's open. So it's going to be interesting to see both of them battle up and see who who steps up and, and who like solidifies that top four and, and who can, you know, Hopefully, just knock on wood, but hopefully maybe they just turn out to be that defenseman like uh, like Carlson was for Vegas, how he just sprouted out and became that uh, that top player. Hopefully, Larson or Gooley with the opportunity, they, they just sprout out and, you know, and they be that top player. Yeah, and you mentioned the article that you wrote. It was the one, if you guys didn't catch it, it was called What Anaheim Fans Want. And we can talk about it now. Uh, you mentioned the first part about, you know, shoot the, the the damn puck, quote unquote, which I thought was hilarious. And and, and you're right. I mean, there's times that uh, the Ducks last season need to shoot the puck a little bit more. But sometimes it was positioning, too. They were trying to take these perimeter shots. They weren't getting in there. And, and you talked about it later in the article. And we've talked about this on the show. You talked about Dirty Ducks. And not in the sense of we don't mean like run around and rip people's heads off and you know take stupid penalties. That's that's not what we're talking about about 
necessarily being dirty ducks, but we're talking about getting into those dirty areas, getting in front of the net, getting at the side of the net, getting those deflections and rebounds and things like that, which we really haven't seen the ducks do too well as of late. So that's, that's a huge thing that I, I agree on that you wrote in there. And also the uh, the part about the man advantage. We saw that in this last uh, preseason game when they played LA, they had a five on three and they couldn't do a whole lot with it. And how many times have we seen that where the ducks five on four, they, they're not able to convert too well, but even five on three, it's, it's like you would think that they would have a really good chance of five on three. I, I almost think sometimes the ducks are better five on four. Um, I, it's just, I hate to say that, but sometimes because you see the five on three, the other team gets in a triangle and the ducks are just passing it all around. It's like, well, you got to go in front of the net and still, you know, get us get a screen, get a deflection, get a tap in goal, things like that. You know, crowd the net, blind the goalie, uh, do those things to block his vision. That, that's what you're going to have to do. I, I mean, if you're passing around the perimeter in any situation, five on five, five on four, five on three, if the goalie's going to see the puck, it's you're not going to make it hard for him. And I mean, you know that Eddie, you you play hockey. I know it's beer league, but you play hockey. You understand that because you play that position. I, I really agree with you in this article. <clears throat> we can talk about some of the other points in here too, but but the big thing is the dirty ducks. And, and like you said, take advantage of the man advantage. Oh, exactly. And and I'm good. I'm glad you touched on that part of the, the dirty ducks part. Like I said in the article, I'm not saying go and intentionally injure someone, but let them know you're, you're there. Let them know that they don't have that extra second to, to make that perfect pass. Like, you know, I want them to come to Honda Center and fear playing the Ducks, like, oh, man, we got to play this team. Oh, like, we have to keep our head up or, hey, we can't go a, a f- that much faster because we have to have our head up and, and see where the Ducks are because if not, they're going to catch us with a big hit uh, and force them to cough up the puck and make mistakes. Like, no one wants to get hit. I, I don't care how big and bad you are and how tough you think you are. The thought of someone coming at full speed and just crushing you, it, it's, it's going to make you just – Think and be aware, just for that little split second that can screw like screw up a play, and the Ducks can go on a you know odd man advantage or something like that. And also about the fighting too, the Ducks dropped in fighting, and it's not about just go out there and you know I want to see you know UFC kind of stuff like that. No, I, I want the fighting to to happen when warranted. If the Ducks are down, hey, let's energize the crowd. I mean, we know Honda Center isn't the loudest building in the NHL. And sometimes when it's, when two guys start fighting, especially from the Ducks, Honda Center lights up. and It just gets everyone energized and that much into the game. And for those next five to ten minutes, everyone's adrenaline's up. Everyone's yelling. The chance of let's go Ducks is going. And the Ducks seem to, to feed off that, that energy from the fans. Uh, I, I want to see a little bit more of that. And I, I, I touched it off. The last part of it was a scream like the team had a three-goal comeback. I think we need to be louder and show some more support. I know last season it was really difficult. But the seasons before that when we had success, it just we didn't really have that fan engagement. And I just want to see it. I mean, you guys buy your tickets. You have the right to do whatever you want like within the law. <laughs> Don't go crazy and stuff and throw things on the ice. But just support the team a little bit. If you have to just chug a couple more of their probably $19 beers now over there just to get your, your nerves going, just let them know that you're there to support them because, you know, us screaming and supporting the team goes a long way. That, that Edmonton comeback, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't at the game. I was watching at home. But I think that's probably the loudest I've ever seen or heard Honda Center, it, you know, 
the games I've been to, the games I watched, I couldn't even hear the announcers talking. Everyone was just going nuts. And I was just kicking myself in the ass because I had to get sick and I couldn't make that game. And it just, it's one of those regrets. Like, like when we beat uh, Vancouver, was it 9-2 to two when we beat them? Oh, man. Oh, I came back. I was on leave from the military, I think my second leave. And my buddy, I had tickets to go to that game. My buddy goes, hey, let's go to the bar and have a couple drinks. And then, you know, I'll have my, you know, his girlfriend drive us to the game. Oh, yeah, cool. So, you know, if you guys go out with friends, have a couple drinks mean. Yeah. All you <laughs> – we get there around 3 o'clock. All of a sudden, I look up. The Ducks are starting the game. I'm like, oh, man. And then goal, goal, goal. I'm like, oh, I'm like, why couldn't I have been there? I was like, man. But, yeah, just get louder. I mean, support your team. Everyone goes here to have a good time. I'm pretty sure – you know, everyone gets some stress and, you know, life is stressful. So you have that, what, two, three, four hours to just relax and enjoy yourself and not have the stress of everyday life, but the stress of watching the Ducks. Just scream a little bit. I mean, just go in there and just yell once. It's like, yeah, let's go Ducks. Just, just once. If everyone did that once, that, that building would just, you know, come up a little louder. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, it's it's some of the problem too is, you know, we have these tickets that, that are sold from, business people or whatever that buy in the tickets and they sell them to whoever and they, we get those fans from the other teams and you all know who those annoying fans are. So that's part of the problem too as well. But getting back to the team as far as them trying to do better this season too, you know, some of the numbers to look at from last season that they're going to have to do to improve is, uh, you know, the uh, special teams, you know, 17% efficiency on the power play, uh, 79.7% on a penalty kill. Both of those are towards the bottom. They're not the bottom of the league, but they're in the bottom half of the league. Uh, both of those aren't going to get it done. You look at the uh, the shots on goal for the Ducks, they had 27.7, which was the worst in the league. So when you talk about shooting the puck, like Eddie mentioned in his article, uh, I don't really see how you can argue against him. They had 27.7 per game which is 31 out of 31 teams. That's terrible. I mean, you're not scoring goals anyways. We saw that with the team and the goals for and the goals against. The Ducks, again, last place, 2.39 goals for, and they were giving up just over three against. And I'm not saying this to bash the Ducks or anything like that. Obviously, last season, a whole bunch of different things went on. We had a coach that the team didn't want to follow. We had uh, injuries beyond everybody, which I'm not making that as an excuse. I'm just stating that that's the facts. And, you know, we had players that were out on both sides of the puck. And basically the Ducks leaned on the goalie, Gibson, the whole time, which Eddie mentions that in his article, too, about getting in front of the goalie, supporting him. I don't want to see Gibson headlocking anybody. I mean, it was entertaining. I'm not going to lie last season to see him do that. Uh, but I don't want to see him get frustrated like that. I, I, I You don't want to get to that point where he's got to start taking shots at players because his teammates aren't doing it for him. That's a, That's a problem. And the Ducks got to that point last season. And I don't blame Gibson. I'm not saying he shouldn't have done it. Uh, I'm sure if Eddie was in that position, he would have done it too, uh, given the nonsense that was going on. But there was a lot of things going on. Like we said, injuries on both sides, teams not standing up for him. But they're not taking shots. They're not scoring on the power play. They're not killing off penalties. I mean, the Ducks really had it rough. And I mean, to only be two games under 500 last year, you know, 35, 37, and 10, Despite all the craziness that went on, you remember they did uh, turn it up a little bit towards the end. They played better towards the end of the season. 
Uh, it was still amazing to see how the Ducks did, but I'm just saying these are things that they're going to have to work on. A lot of the things that Eddie mentioned in that article, and, and if you haven't read it, go back and read it, uh, what Anaheim fans want. you know, it, it, There's a lot in there. And there's a lot of truth to it. And I think I am still optimistic, though. I don't mean to be gloom and doom with these stats and everything, but it's just to reiterate what Eddie wrote. And I think that the Ducks can turn around. I think with Dallas Aikens in there, I've read some of the articles now, and we also had posted up the one, if you didn't see it, where he did the interview. I, I transcribed that one. It took me hours to do it. But uh, Phil had gone to the event. I couldn't make it. And he actually recorded it on his phone. And I uh, have that whole interview on there. So if you didn't see that, that's also up on the website. But I like everything that Dallas Aikens is saying. I like the direction that he's taking the team. Uh, in the offseason, he went and met with Getzloff. He went and met with all these other players. Uh, they're talking about him being more of a new age coach, understanding how to motivate players, how to get players together. Of course, he's coached a ton of these young guys in San Diego. So I'm optimistic. I, I For me, the other reason why I mentioned all these stats is I think that the Ducks can only go up from there. That's the way I look at it, Eddie. Uh, the only thing, you know, knock on wood, would be injuries. But other than that, I, I really think that this team's going to improve. And I think all those numbers that I mentioned, you can throw them all out the window, obviously, because we start the season 0-0-0. and zero. But I think they are going to get in a better uh, you know, state of mind to start the season. If you also haven't checked out some of those articles that uh, Eric Stevens has written on The Athletic, I highly recommend it. Some great pieces on there. Also, uh, Jordan Samuels Thomas as well writes some good ones on there too. So, I mean, what's your take, Eddie? I mean, like we said, all these stats, you look at last season, the Ducks barely finished under 500 despite – all you know being last in some of these categories or in the bottom half of the league now the new coach coming in what's your feel you think the ducks uh turn it around make the playoffs um uh or any you know don't make the playoffs what do you think uh that's kind of a tough one right now i'm not really sure what's uh what to expect next season and i i kind of like that now like before like okay we expect the ducks to make the playoffs and then we're worried about okay what are they going to do in the playoffs it's kind of hit or miss it's it's a brand new system basically so we got to just go from scratch all i want to see from the ducks if they make the playoffs if they don't make the playoffs i just want to see them improve on everything that was mentioned in my article and everything that the points that i missed as well i, I want to see them just improve on everything and and one of the main things i want to see them improve of and i, I definitely want to see the the physical you know the hits and the fights but that's not my main thing. I think the main thing I really want them to do is play a 60-minute game. If they play a full 60-minute game and they lose because the other team just outplayed them, then fine. Like you know, At least you went and played. You can lose with pride. At least you went out there and, and gave it your all. I mean, there's always you know those nights where the puck doesn't go your way or the ref you know, throws his hand up for questionable calls. But I think that's my main point I want to see for the Ducks next season. Definitely to improve overall and just their game and build off this new system and hopefully it gets more success and if it doesn't work out this season it's going to be hard to blame the coach it's going to be a point where you have to turn around and start blaming the players but like you said too i mean some of these stats are kind of bad it's you know not trying to be discouraging but trying to look at the the silver lining of it i guess Uh, next season hopefully they'll improve and i i really think they will with the new system and uh, Dallas seems to be a real players coach going out to Sweden, taking uh, Raquel out to dinner with, with his significant other and really showing that he gives a damn and he cares. And he, he's allowing these players to, to let them experiment too and, and 
do different things and adapt to that that variable change when they're in games or they're losing or something's not working like in hockey players or any sport if something's not working you can't just keep doing the same thing and expect the same result you got to change it up and and do something different like i, I played beer league I, yeah, I mentioned it last show or something i had my worst ever like point and goal drought i had an eight game where i only had like one assist and i was getting discouraged and I was getting frustrated and I thought about just, you know, maybe it's time for me to stop playing if I can't, you know, get a goal in eight games. I've never had a drought like that. And honestly, I just changed up my game, changed my attitude. And when I had a breakaway, I closed my eyes actually and shot and it scored and got that monkey off my back. But uh, Mike, uh, so out of the categories I talked about are the ones I haven't. Which one would you like to see the Ducks improve on the most? I think the biggest thing is just what you touched on is about the 60 minute game. I'm okay with going out there, giving it your all. And and if the other team uh, does a little bit better then they do better, or they get a lucky bounce, they get a lucky bounce. You know, sometimes those things happen. I think that's something that we missed for a while. I remember we used to joke before, not just you and me, Ollie out there listening about the second period. That was like the ducks would do great in the first period. Then they would blow it in the second period. Then have to fight their way back in the third period. And that used to just annoy the hell out of me that they couldn't play a 60-minute game. Or even it wasn't that. They would they would play good sometimes 40, 50 minutes, and then they would have like a terrible 5, 10-minute spell and get scored on a couple of times. And I know it happens. Every team goes to that. Not every team can play 60 minutes uh, you know, all the time. But you know, the goal is you want to play at least 45, 50, 55 of those minutes as best you can. If you have a couple bad minutes, I get it. But when you have bad periods – that that's discouraging. And I, I think, like I said, last year, there was a lot of stuff going on, stuff going on in the locker room, stuff going on with the coach injuries, things like that. So it's going to be different this season. I, I think that if they can do that, and I think Dallas Aikens is a motivator for that. And it seems to have these guys more on track. I think they will be all right. I, I do still think it's the beginning of the season trades, injuries, all kinds of things happen, but I, I think the ducks do have a good chance of making the playoffs from what I've seen, everything I've been reading as well. At this point, of course, as we said, things can change. But, you know, another thing that's also changing this season, Eddie, is the Ducks are going to have a new national anthem singer. Uh, you remember Dawn Wright uh, had her surgery. She actually uh, was successful in having that and was going to sound like she was going to come back this season, but now she's not. Instead, they're going to have uh, Tim Kepler in there. Another change for the Ducks organization. Kind of sad to see her go, but she wants to spend time with her family. And I, I don't blame her at all that, I mean, you got to have priorities and, and that's a pretty damn good one. So I, I get that uh, with her stepping out for a little bit. She said she may come back and fill in. But um, besides the stuff we talked about with the team and whatnot, what do you feel, you know, the other change, Eddie? You know, we're going to have a different singer now too at the arena. Oh, things like that. I hate changes. It, it kind of bothers me. But I mean, it's a national anthem. It, it's going to sound beautiful unless you're Fergie singing it. If you guys remember that atrocity of her trying to i don't know what she was trying to do but i heard him a few times from what i can remember last season and he nailed it too as well so i'm looking forward to having him be our full-time singer and hopefully when he can't make it we can get don you know sneak her in a few games and we can definitely go and when she's there scream don as loud as we can i don't know if we're gonna scream it when tim sings it Maybe just in re- remembrance of Don, I think that'd be pretty cool. But you know, welcome or uh, welcome to Tim, and I'm glad that he's our, our new national anthem singer. And 
like you said, you know, you can't really go wrong with the national anthem. It's, it's beautiful. And I, I still get, you know, shaken up a little bit listening to it, thinking of all my, you know, friends and the military and especially people I lost that gave their life up for this country. It's still like, it's hard to hold back tears sometimes just sitting there and really, you know, digesting those words and hearing them. So it's just, you know, I'm glad that he's, he's with the organization now permanently and he's going to take on that role. And I think he'll do a fine job and, and hopefully we see Don back a few games. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just crazy. A lot of new beginnings for this team, whether it's the singer, the coach, uh, different players. Um, I mean, that's kind of the the running theme. I, the only thing that <laughs> is not going to change that we pretty much figured this one out. We had news about it before, and it came out again. Something that's staying. I, I don't know if it's necessarily staying the same, but it's, it's coming back and not really changing that much. Eddie is the Ducks' third jersey. Uh, it pretty much appears that they're going back to the uh, orange one that they had from before. One of our listeners, Rick, he had bought it off eBay. I guess you could get it now. But it was leaked out on one of the uh, Adidas websites earlier, and then that person deleted it off Twitter. We had written an article about it back in July, and now now there's pictures of it coming out on eBay and more articles on it. And it looks like they're going to stay with that. A couple changes, obviously, the Adidas logo instead of the Reebok. They also changed the words Anaheim in gold from the outer part of the collar to the back of the inside of the collar. So not really a whole lot of changes with that. I, I like the jersey, but I, like I said, I kind of disappointed. I thought maybe they would try something different, but I guess with the 25th anniversary jersey last season, they just figured, hey, let's go back to this for now, and, and you know they'll probably change it later on. I like the new Adidas orange jersey. I know it looks the same, similar, but there's differences in it. The collar looks more clean. The laces look more pressed. It looks more professional. And then the logo pops out too. You can see the silver from the beak. It looks nicer. And then on the side where the arms are, those little holes, I like that too. And the little Adidas holes that they put on the shoulders, I like it. The only thing I was disappointed is I wanted to see something a little bit different. Just... You know, it's a new season, a new beginning, closed training camp. You're doing things different this season. New national anthem singer. Why don't I have a new jersey? I mean, I've been trying to, like, mess with designs, too, about having an all-black one. Uh, like, a version of this, but black. So I'm just, I'm still trying to mess with the designs. This is posted on Twitter and let you see how, like, what you guys think about that. I, I, I like the color black. I'm not gothic or anything, but I just like the color black. I think... A black jersey with some little bit of orange trim with that Ducks logo would just make it pop. So, I mean, overall, I still like it. The only thing I would say bad about it is that Anaheim thing on the collar is a little too big for my taste. They should have made it a little bit smaller. But it's just, you know, a good-looking jersey. And when it comes out officially, uh, I'll, I'll probably buy one. You know, 179 180 you know, go to coolhockey.com. They have good jerseys and get it from there. So I'll probably get it. I'll probably get a blank one. I have too many names and players are leaving and hurting my feelings. I still love them, but it just hurts my feelings sometimes. I'm just playing. Well, so to wrap up this uh, this show we have for you today, we have some other league news. Uh, send a happy birthday to Gritty. Uh, I remember uh, this time last year, the Philadelphia Flyers announced they had a new mascot. It was Gritty, and everyone at first hated him and laughed at him, but everyone just all of a sudden started loving him, including myself. He's awesome. And what he does for the community, too, he does a lot. He, you know, Whoever runs that that portion, they're really out there. So it's good for them. So happy birthday to him. 
Also, another uh, news is Braden Point's three-year bridge contract with the Tampa Bay Lightning, signed for $6.75 million. That's a hell of a steal. This kid could have got maybe closer closer to nine, maybe eight. But he, he took a team-friendly deal, so that's pretty good for him. Uh, other RFAs, uh, Matthew Kachuk and Mikko Rantanen, uh, they're both still MIA for their teams. Oh, also to include uh, Line A from Winnipeg Jets. They're still, I don't know what their deal is and what kind of money they want. Uh, I know more about Rantanen. He's looking, I think, closer to the $9 million part comparing his contract to Mitch Marner's. And I think that's, for his thing, it's kind of crazy because Nathan McKinnon makes six point four. I think that much, I don't know, it's just weird. They have to figure it out. They're going to miss, you know, they're missing all the preseason. And these teams need to jump on these players and figure them out and get them signed. If you guys have been watching the preseason, Austin Matthews taunted one of the Senators players when he got into his face. He skates behind him and looks at the back of his jersey trying to figure out who he is. I thought that was just absolutely hilarious. I was thinking in my mind, that's like the best taunt of the preseason. Then former Ducks player Patrick Maroon had to just top that. First, he beats the crap out of Austin Watson. So, I mean, Maroon's not a girl, so... Okay, I'll skip that part. <laughs> but as he's skating back to the to the Tampa Bay bench, he goes and he points at his ring finger, you know, the Stanley Cup ring, to the Predators bench. And I thought that was just hilarious. And it, I don't know what they said to piss him off, but that just shut all of them down because unless you have that ring for your city, I mean, he... He won it, and he was a big part of it in St. Louis. So I think Patrick Maroon takes the, the taunt of the preseason, and that was just awesome. And then to close out, the final news is that Dustin Bufflin requested a leave of absence to figure out if he wants to continue playing hockey or not. I'm not a big fan of Dustin Bufflin. I don't like the guy. I don't, I don't like some of his antics and the dirty stuff that he does. However, I don't know what's going on with him if it's, you know— uh, mental illness if it's physical or it's just the games that the game's catching up to him it's still unfortunate to see a player having to take that time and to contemplate his future playing hockey he's leaving about 14 million dollars on the table it just i don't know whatever's going on i hope things work out for him and i hope he can either come back or he can retire on his own terms and have that 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 peace of mind in it the Winnipeg Jets did suspend him. People are flipping out, but it's just formality. It's to help him with cap situations. The Anaheim Ducks did the same thing with Scott Niedermeyer when he was contemplating his retirement and he was still signed. So, you know, just I, I, as much as I don't like the guy, I, I hate to see see that to a player, any player. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're dowdy or quick, too. It just it, It's unfortunate to see any player have to go down like that. So I, I send my best thoughts and wishes to him, and he figures everything out, and he can come back to play or have the – peace of mind and retire yeah i agree with you like we talked about with eves too before you know regardless if you like a player or not hopefully that they can end their career that the way that they want to uh, a couple other little things real quick here before we wrap up uh some some dnp type news uh, we are going to have our watch parties again uh this season the first one's going to be october 14th it's columbus day i kind of pulled you guys out there i know some of you have it off some of you don't it's a 10 a.m. game against Boston. So we're going to have that going. Obviously, free stuff as usual uh, at El Ranchito in Orange, 10 a.m., October 14th. That's a Monday. And then we'll have other dates coming out, so I'll put those out there as well. 
We also got a new provider for some of our gear. So we have shirts, uh, sweatshirts, and hats that are uh, with the DMP logo. You can check them out if you want. Uh, the short link will make it kind of easier for you. You can go to bit.ly slash DMP gear. Uh, again, that's bit.ly slash DMP gear. And you can pick up some of the stuff on there. And also think about becoming a Patreon member too, uh, patreon.com slash ducks and pucks. We gave away tickets for all the preseason games this current week, and we're giving away games to the regular season on a monthly basis as well. So uh, with that, we're glad to be back. Like we said, we're trying to do a show every single week. Thank you for the support. Let's go Ducks. Let's go Ducks.